Welcome to episode five of the Stoic Lawyer. Today we are going to talk about a meditations passage. Um, and again, the version of meditations uh, that we are pulling these out of is from the Modern Library and it's Gregory Hayes um, version. Uh, he is a, the back of the book tells us he's an associate professor of classics at the University of Virginia. And so uh, meditations by Marcus Aurelius, the Modern Library. The passage that we are going to talk about today is in book six, and it's paragraph 53. Practice really hearing what people say. Do your best to get inside their minds. That is a passage that we think is helpful in any number of contexts, but today we're going to narrowly focus just on one relationship, one interaction. Um, and we're kind of thinking about this one from the perspective of a new lawyer. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess um, it's definitely something that it would be easy for a new attorney not to think about coming out off of law school and legal training. You know, we're taught to take a whole lot of facts, some un- unrelated to the answer, sort through those facts figure out which ones matter, which ones don't, and then you know try to get to the solution. You know, that's a great point because one of the first things you do on a law school exam when you read it is you, you pull out the issue and then you do exactly that. You pull out the relevant facts and part of, part of the challenge of the exam is figuring out what's relevant and what's not. And then you don't have time in a three-hour pressure cooker, you know, timed law school exam uh, to even consider the the irrelevant facts, right? As soon as you recognize they're irrelevant, they're gone. And you are just triaging and focusing on the exact path to the legal answer, right? I mean, that's that's what law school is all about. Yeah, and that's right, exactly. And that's what you're trained to do. That's what you practice doing. And you come out of law school, at least theoretically good at that. Which the training, in my experience anyway, completely discounts those, what we would call irrelevant facts but that might be extremely relevant to an upset client. Absolutely. So you get out of law school and you either get a job at a firm or you're taking uh, maybe some appointed cases and you're either out on your own or, or however it comes to you. Um, I think a lot of new lawyers, if they don't go into a big firm, um, criminal law or criminal appointments is a common place to start to kind of get your feet wet and to be in court, or maybe you're a public defender, um, regardless of, of how you, you come to criminal cases, if, if you do. And I think this example will work across the board, even for civil clients, um, as far as the principles of it. But the context that we've chosen to, to talk about this passage in is a new DUI client. Um, DUIs are extremely common, and I think a lot of new lawyers uh, that, again, are not in a large firm dealing with only civil matters. I think a lot of new lawyers deal with DUI clients. Yeah, it's, it's, it, there, well, unfortunately, there are a lot of 
DUI charges. So it's a it's a common offense. But everyone that comes to an attorney with a DUI charge wants to avoid the consequences of it. It's it's often serious. It's often the person's first and only criminal charge. That's an, that's another great point, Brian. These these clients in particular, I'm actually glad we chose DUI the more that I'm thinking about it, because these clients in particular are more likely to be ones who have never had contact with the legal system at all, unless it was in the context of a divorce or some kind of civil suit. A lot of people who get DUIs are not otherwise people who would pick up criminal charges. I mean, it can be, it can be anybody who has, mm-hmm. who has too many drinks and then, yeah. and then decides to drive home. And so these people frequently have a heightened sense of emotion about the situation, even more so than maybe mm-hmm. your other criminal clients who may be charged with more serious offenses, frankly. Sure. Yeah. And I remember for a lot of people, there are, um, consequences that, that they're worried about beyond just the possible criminal sanctions. Uh, it affects their, their jobs. Job a implications lot of times. often. I mean, how many times have we seen, say, teachers, coaches uh, with DUI charge worried about losing their job? Um, or people who drive for work, people who have a CDL license. It's right. hugely important for people right. who um, drive a company car, even if like the driving itself isn't their job, even if they're not like a delivery person. Mm-hmm. If they have a company vehicle, frequently insurance companies, you know, will not permit them to drive a company vehicle anymore. Mm-hmm. It's also incredibly just expensive. I mean, I know it is in our jurisdiction. I'm sure it is pretty much across the board. Yeah. Special insurance, uh, you know, attorney's fees, court costs, all, all of these things. Mm-hmm. A DUI is a horrible thing um, for someone to to have to deal with, especially when they're not accustomed to dealing with these scenarios. So let's kind of just set the stage. You're a new lawyer and you, someone calls you for a consult on a DUI. They come in to meet with you and, and you go in with your, your notepad and um, you've probably read up a little bit about the statute uh, before the meeting. You've looked at the elements of the crime the state would have to prove. And in your mind, your mind is racing with Okay, relevant facts. Yeah, right? if, I, if I'm looking at it from especially a new attorney standpoint, um, yeah, which facts are more likely to lead to conviction, and which facts may be beneficial, and it's it's strictly I'm looking at, uh, you know, is there a video? What does the video show? The the driving, the uh, uh, is there field sobriety tests? That, that's your client, you know, walking the line or or. Uh, touching their nose, their fingers, or whatever tests are used. Um, uh, anything the client says, obviously. So I'm, I'm strictly thinking, can the government meet the elements of the charge? Those I, facts only. I, and disregarding everything else. And I'm, I'm going straight to that and, and breaking it down just like I would have on a law school exam, like you mentioned. And when you start explaining to the client, you know, when you ask the client to tell you what happened, and then they start explaining it to you, I think a lot of new lawyers would also go at it kind of legal issue by legal issue, right? And in a DUI, the first question is always going to be, was it a valid stop? Mm-hmm. And so the first question for the, the new lawyer to ask the client is probably going to be, why did they pull you over? Mm-hmm. You know, did you run a stop sign? Did you run a red light? Um, were you speeding? Were you weaving in your lane? What did they tell you? You know, did you have bad registration? You know, what what is the reason that they pulled you over? Because you're instantly thinking, can I get this whole thing thrown out uh, just on the basis of a bad stop? And as they're telling you those things, they're not just going to say that their mind is not going to well, yes, he told me my left front tire touched the double yellow 
four times, you know, and in your mind, you may be thinking, well, my state Supreme Court says it has to be six, uh, you mm-hmm. know, or something like that. You know, if you know the legal standard for bad driving is, is somewhat subjective, right? And it's usually case law based and it's going to vary across the country. But in your mind, that's what you're thinking about. Yeah, you're- if you ask a client what happened, you get a lot of what we would consider irrelevant information. They're probably going to start the story by telling you where they were, what they were drinking, why they were drinking, what was going on that night. You get the whole backstory that often, not always, granted, but often is not directly relevant to whether the offense was committed. Right. It's it's maybe mitigation at best. And, you know, I don't want to discount a client's information that you get. You want to, you know, keep that in mind. But often... It has nothing really to do with the the, the government's the proof on the case. And if they're if they're wanting to tell you all those things, and maybe it's an emotional night, right? Maybe they've had a, a breakup with a, mm-hmm. a significant other, or maybe they, you know, I, I had a case years and years and years ago as a prosecutor where uh, someone had found out that their husband was cheating on them, and I think that's a common, unfortunately, thing mm-hmm. that happens. And they had too much to drink and and got in the car and got pulled over Mm -hmm. to that person. And that wasn't my client. I was a prosecutor, but I'm sure the defense attorney that met with that person probably heard far more about that in the initial (laughs) interview um, than about the stop sign the lady ran. And and so the point of this portion of our, our explanation or talking about the scenario is as a new lawyer, you can't, or you should not, I guess we're not here to tell you what to do. We're here to give you advice on, on a better way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of new lawyers are just going to keep focusing back on those very concrete, specific questions about the stop, about the field sobriety tests, about whether or not there's a blood alcohol. And you really need to give your clients the space and the time to talk about what happened from from their perspective. And mm-hmm. it's not because it's going to make some huge legal difference. But at the end of the day, what you're trying to do, especially in an initial interview or consultation, is build trust and build a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how you explain these things, how the case is going to go forward, what you're going to do, uh, what what information or, or stuff you might need from the client, I think can be how you frame it um, is based on their concerns. Whether you think they're of, of the utmost importance legally or not, the, where the client's coming from, is important as to how you um, phrase things and, and, and acknowledge acknowledge their concerns. Yeah, I think you know a lot of times in DUIs, what we hear is about mistreatment of the client during the stop, and I'm not I'm not saying it's objectively mistreatment. I'm not saying the police have done anything wrong, but frequently clients feel as though they were mistreated. Now, sometimes that's going to be partially because they were impaired, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and they may not have a very objective. Um, and it's a traumatic event, right? Being pulled over, getting arrested, whether whether you should have been or not, right, is a traumatic thing for, for mm-hmm. someone to go through. So you take the traumatic event, the possible impairment, and their perspective on what happened is going to be very different from an officer who's writing a very objective narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we deal with clients who say, well, I was mistreated. You know, they were rude to me. They- yeah, I hear that one a lot. The officer was rude or he didn't have to treat me like that. And then when you get down to the specifics of how the officer treated the person it, it's more a matter of of you know being polite or being too short or something like yeah, that handcuffs so, were too tight you know pushed me in the back of the car too roughly you know th- things like that 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 are not going to 
to matter at all with regard to a legal, uh, usually, again, uh, all yeah, of this for is, the most part, all of this is a, has the caveat of we're not we're not saying any of this is an absolute. We're just trying to describe a general scenario. Um, also, I feel like this is the most we've ever maybe gone into certain legal principles. So we should also throw in a nothing on this podcast is ever legal advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, this podcast is for um, not even really philosophical advice, but just conversations and, and thoughts and information. So uh, there's our legal disclaimer. Uh, none of this is legal advice. But back to the point that the client is going to want to tell you about all of these things that they perceive as a grievance, mm-hmm. that they perceive the officer has done wrong that you know legally doesn't matter. If you keep cutting them off and say repeatedly, well, well, that's not relevant or that doesn't matter, it matters very much to them. It may not matter legally. It may not matter for the case, but you're going to start off on the wrong foot with your client and they're they're unlikely to trust you uh, very much if, if you discount their concerns. So one way, uh, Brian and I talked about this a little bit before we jumped on here to record, just a little strategy for that. You know, if, if you've got a client, and I think this could apply to a bunch of scenarios, not just a DUI. If you've got a client who wants to focus on, you know, the bad behavior of the officer during the stop, but you know that the behavior before they were pulled over is what really matters, right? What did the officer observe? Um, and did they do a legitimate stop? One thing you can do is say, you know, that that's all very terrible. I'm sorry that happened. This officer clearly some of the things that they did, um, you believe were were um, invalid, not maybe not legal, but certainly not um, how they should have conducted themselves. Let's talk about their conduct when they pulled you over, right? Take what they care about and reframe the legal issue of legal sufficiency for a stop into the way your client wants to talk about it. It makes no difference for your analysis. It just takes an extra few minutes and an extra um, effort on your part to take what they're telling you and understand why they, why that's the position they're coming from, and then relate it back to the legal information you need. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think this 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 passage um, could be applied in a whole lot of situations, obviously, as as most of these could be, but. Um, Looking at something from the other person's perspective makes your job easier, you know. And 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 I think that's that's the idea here. That's that's my takeaway from it is that you will do a better job solving problems for your client if you work at practicing understanding, really listening, and practicing, you know, thinking about where they're coming from. And it's also important not just for the initial interview, but in a criminal case, at some point, you're going to give your client advice over whether or not they should accept a plea. And if you know that the state, it doesn't have to be in the context of a DUI, this could be in, in any context, and it, it frankly works in civil cases as well. You know, at some point, you're going to make a recommendation to your client about whether they should settle their case or not, whether it's a, a guilty plea or accepting someone's uh offer to resolve a contract dispute, right? Accepting monetary payment or rejecting it, right? Whether or not they're going to agree or whether or not they're going to push their case to a hearing or a trial, you've got to have built um, trust and credibility with that client or they're less likely to follow your advice. They're less likely to take to heart your legal opinions about the case and your concern about it and whether or not you think 
it can be successful. And if you can't, if your client doesn't have trust in you for those big issues in your case, you're doing them a real disservice and they're unlikely to feel, regardless of the outcome, they're unlikely to feel like they have been heard and uh, well represented. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of times outcomes, the outcome itself does not correlate with whether or not the client feels they have gotten what they should have out of a case. It's not necessarily the number on the page of either years in prison or a settlement agreement. It's about whether they feel like they have been heard and listened to and whether someone has fought for them in their scenario. Yeah, we as attorneys, we we might measure success differently from the client, but at the end of the day, most of the time, it's it's what the client thinks. You know, was the client satisfied? So uh, that's our advice for this week, especially new lawyers when you first meet with your clients and then it goes beyond, you know, an initial meeting. But in that first one, I think it's particularly important. Put yourself in their position, really listen to what they are, are telling you and try to consider what they're telling you from their own perspective. Don't rush. I know a lot of attorneys kind of rush through initial consults. We're all so busy. Um, and really, you've probably got a form <laughs> that you fill in, it, no matter what kind of consult it is. And once you've got your form filled in, that's all the information you need from them. But it's probably not all the information they need from you. And it's certainly not um, the attention they need from you. So slow down, get the information you need, but try and do it in a way that really makes your client feel like you're listening and understanding their problems from their perspective and that you have an interest in helping them resolve them. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Okay guys, we'll see you next week.